1 Corinthians 7, we're going to look at several verses, but for tonight, we're just going to read verses 6 to 9. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 6 to 9. You can read out loud at home where you're at. Paul said, But I speak this by permission, not of commandment. For I would that all men were even as myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner, and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Here in verses 7 to 9, and then if you'll circle, a little bit later, down to verse, um, verse 28, to the end of the chapter, Paul has a word for unmarried singles. Last week, I preached a message entitled, Saved and Married. Tonight, I bring you a message entitled, Saved and Single. Father, bless our word tonight. We have a lot of singles in our church. A lot of young singles under 18. And we have a good number that are over 18 that are single, unmarried. I'm thankful I get to pastor them. Tonight I pray that you'll give us the mind of the Lord, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Blessed every single over age 21 in our church would find their marriage partner who's saved, living for God. I pray even in this church. I'm praying, Lord, for even while we're under this shelter-in-place dilemma, for singles who will get saved, and singles who will come back to church. And singles, Lord, who will be committed to serving the Lord and honoring Christ. Father, would you give me the words to say? Would you help me, Lord, to encourage and exhort tonight? And for parents raising kids who are single, give parents biblical wisdom and discernment in guiding their kids right. I pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians 7 is a very significant chapter. I'm convinced after reading it many times and preaching it, I'll be preaching the entire chapter. It needs to be preached often. It's kind of the baseline for relationships in life. And Paul gives us the mind of God concerning marriage, unmarried singles, divorce, and remarriage. We need to know God's mind. Tonight we're looking at being single. An article in The Observer said this, in 2017, 
The U.S. Census reported 110.6 million unmarried people over the age of 18. I want you to think of me for a minute. 110.6 million uh, people over age 16, over age 18. That's about 45.2% of the American adult population. In 1960, 72% of adults were married. Amazingly, in today's growing and increasing single population, 63% have never been married. 23% have been divorced at least once. 13% are widowed. The majority of the single population I just talked about are living independently on their own, and 53% of them are women. God loves everybody. And I make a fault, or mistake, I should say, and I think every pastor does, where we believe in marriage. We promote marriage. Marriage is a good thing. The Bible says this out, marriage is honorable in all. The Bible says, he that findeth the wife findeth a good thing. But sometimes I think in saying that, it comes across... It does, we don't mean for it to come across, but I think it comes across somewhat elitist. And I think it comes across a little bit um, slanted in the sense that it seems like, what about if I'm single? What about if I'm widowed single? What about if I'm unmarried single? And I desperately, and I, not desperately, but I so long want to be married, but I you haven't found the right person. And contrary to a lot of philosophy, some of it's parental, some of it's cultural, there's a lot of pressure on singles, a lot of pressure to, they don't get married soon, they're going to be, as what the Bible says, past the flower of their age. Unmarried singles are getting married much older now than they did in previous generations. They're much more educated. They're somewhat more ambitious. They have very good jobs and careers. They're financially astute more than they were in previous generations. They strive to be independent. But being single this evening is not a stigma. It is not a curse. It is not a sin. God has a word for singles as he does for marrieds. And though tonight's message and Bible study will not exhaust everything the Bible has to say, we do need to see what God has to say about it. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul addresses the following types of unmarried singles. Singles who are never married, widows and widowers, and those who were previously married but were either abandoned by their spouse or their marriage ended in a divorce. So we need to see what the Bible has to say tonight. Let me say this evening for college, college singles, young adult working singles, 
for those who are over 40 and singles, those who are older and never married, those who are widowed and have been widowed and were married once but are widowed, and for those growing up, right now, you're in a home. You're under the Bible. If you're a teenager, Pastor AJ or the club sponsors preach to you. If you're a college or career student, college student or career age person, Brother Aaron or one of the other workers preaches to you. I want you to know two extremes. One, no one here is trying to pressure you into marriage. I pray you get married. I prayed that this morning. This last several days, I've taken out our singles list and spent a little more time in prayer for you. Under 18, over 18. But secondly, for some who are of age, where you want to be married. And that's a good thing. God is the author of marriage, as we said last week. But the right person just doesn't seem to be here. And sadly to say, it's very, very grieving for me where we've had a single person who thought coming to church, they'd find the right husband and wife, they stayed and got involved in all those things, and it just didn't work out for them. It just didn't work out. They're heartbroken, disappointed. Some left. I'm thankful for the ones who stayed. Thank you for staying. And I want to encourage you tonight. God has an answer for this. He really does. I said he really does. And parents, I preached a message a while back. I'm going to say something about it tonight, but I'm not going to preach it again. On parents, your single child, they get to a place they're going to, they're either going to follow or not follow you. But parents, I'm going to encourage you tonight to stay biblical. Don't succumb to the culture. Don't succumb to some goofy philosophy out there. Let's see the mind of Christ tonight. Number one, I want you to consider the advantage of being single. The advantage of being single. Paul talks about that here in 1 Corinthians 7. There were several prominent people in the Bible that were single. I mean, God would not have mentioned him if, if, if it wasn't important. I mean, I think about the fact that Elijah, the prophet of God, was single. Elisha was single. As far as we know, Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king, was single. John the Baptist was single. I believe the apostle Paul was single and never married. Now, you're going to read different things about that. You're going to read some things because he was part of the Sanhedrin that will say we had to be married and he had to have had children, and, but maybe after he got saved that his wife divorced him. I don't believe any of that. That's just conjecture. Don't even believe that stuff that Paul was married and got divorced because then that, that just kind of throws a, that just throws a monkey wrench into other things he writes about that. I don't believe Paul was ever there. I think Paul would not have said in chapter 7, verse 7, I would that all men were even as myself, but, God let it, but every man has his proper gift of God. I think he, he knew that he had the gift of being single. That's a very unique gift. It is a very rare gift. It is a, very, it, it is a godly gift that God gives. I don't believe Paul, Paul was married any time, but I'm just going to say tonight, Paul was single. 
I read over in Acts chapter 9 about a young lady, by the, a woman by the name of Rhoda Dorcas. I believe she was single. I read about Mary Magdalene, who lived a very sinful life before she was saved, and yet she remained single as far as we know. I mean, I, I think about the fact that, that, that these were people that were wholly given to God, and they remained single for whatever reason, and God blessed. I think about a preacher that I knew for many, many years. His name was Richard Oldham. Richard Oldham pastored a church, uh, I think it was the Glendale Baptist Church, there outside of, uh, outside of, uh, uh, outside of Bowling, I think it was inside of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Richard Oldham was a great preacher of God. So in fact, uh, my good friend, Pastor Jason Gaddis of Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, he knew Richard Oldham. Dr. Don Sisk, our good friend of BIMI, he's preached for Richard Oldham. But Richard Oldham pastored that great church, and never married. He did. He performed many marriages. He knew marriage like the back of his hand. But for whatever reason, God did not put on his heart ever to get married. I don't understand it, but that's just what it is. Some of you don't know the name. I was telling Brother Justin about this. There's a preacher. He's gone to home to be with the Lord, just like Richard Odom. If you grew up in the South and lived in the South, you're down in Georgia, Florida, that area there, you would know the name Percy Ray. Look him up on the internet. Percy Ray is a great preacher of God's word. He was in, he endeared his heart. Uh, many people endeared themselves to Percy Ray's preaching ministry. He's a great preacher of the word. Percy Ray at one time was engaged to marry the daughter of Dr. R.G. Lee, the man who preached payday someday. And somewhere along the way, Percy Ray, while, they're, they're, while they were engaged, he just realized that it wasn't God's will for him to get married. I don't understand that. He just came to the realization it wasn't God's will for him to get married, and they, he had to break off the engagement. What an awful thing for the, for the bride and for all the families and everyone. But in spite of that, God still used Percy Ray. Now, I want to say some things about the advantages of being single. Notice in verse 7, we see the preference. Paul said, For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man has his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Paul said, listen, it is a gift to be single, if that's what God wants you to be, and it's a gift to be married. This is a gift of God. Paul enjoyed being single. It does not mean he wasn't interested in a wife. It does not mean he was not interested in having a family. It just means that he had this, as he described, a proper gift. He was given an endowment of God to remain single. Now, as I say that, notice in verse 6, he put that in there, according to verse 6, he said, by permission of God, not by commandment. Now, a lot of times you read verse 6, if you're not very careful, you're trying to figure out what does it mean. There are many commentators who get on this long, elongated discussion about, is that inspired, was what Paul said here inspired of God? Yes, it's inspired of God. God allowed him to put this in there because it does not violate anything scripture. He's just saying here, he was saying here by permission, he said, listen, if I could, if I could tell you my preference, I wish that everyone was single. I wish everyone would stay just like me. I wish that everyone would be single because he said, you know, there's more ability to serve God. There's more things you can do for Christ. And he, he says things about that later on chapter 7 there. In verse 8, he says something else. Notice this. He addresses unmarried singles. And in that category, the unmarried singles he's talking about in verse 8 are those who are unmarried, unmarried singles due to divorce or abandonment, 
or they were widows. Look what he says. I say, therefore, to the married. And I think Paul was writing this as I say this. I think as he's writing this, he took into account the widows, those who have been abandoned, those who have been divorced. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they bite his eye. I think he was taking account he was concerned for some rushing into marriage. I think he was concerned about some that married out of the will of God. I think he saw his share of fatalities, of failures within the marriage realm. And because he wasn't there at Corinth, but was writing a letter, he gave them his preference. He said, now I would, that it is, he said in verse 8, I say there for the married, it is good for the unmarried and widows. It is good for them if they bodies. And again, he gave a preference. It's okay to give a preference. But we must be very careful of not giving undue influence. We see the preference in this advantage. Notice the positive in the advantages. Now I want you to bear in mind for the Jews, and it carried over into the church, it was embedded, marriage, there was teaching that was embedded in their minds. And as we get to chapter 7, and Paul loses some of his other epistles, the teachings of those days uh, circumvented Scripture. There was one body of teachers, they were called the Essenes, who taught abstinence in marriage. In other words, man, a husband and wife shouldn't have, they shouldn't have a close physical relationship. Now, we dealt with that last week. I'm not going to preach it again. But Paul addressed that in verses 3 to 5. He says, you are not giving due belevance. He says, you are not being a responsible husband or wife if you don't have close physical relations. That's basically what he said there. Another group taught that marriage was wrong or unprofitable. And so some of them taught they were encouraging divorce. And some of them taught don't get married. So you had these different schools of thought. I mean, Paul knew that because these believers, notice in verse chapter 7, verse 1, they wrote to him, what about this? So Paul's writing here about these things. He wanted to correct unbiblical teaching. And I want to begin tonight by looking at the positives, the positive advantages. Now, bear in mind, let me, let me say this. When I say positive advantages, I'm not saying you should not get married. Now, I'm not, I'm not like Paul. Paul's preference was that you stay single, okay? If, if you have bad habits and, uh, and you would be a detriment to, a, a, to a, a spouse, I think you better stay single, okay? But I, would, I encourage, I, I, I greatly encourage, I want our singles to get married. I want them to enjoy having a marriage a marriage. I want them to enjoy being, being happily married and to have a ministry together. But let me tell you some advantages about being single. Notice number one, there's the service advantage. In verse 32, Paul said this, But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Now he wasn't saying married people were not serving the Lord. He was just saying, when you're single and unmarried, you're able to put more attention, more devotion, more effort. You basically can give more time to the things of the Lord. I appreciate 
Years ago, one of our singles who was not married, and it was Valentine's Day, and they sent me a message, and I thought, this is great. They sent me this message. They said, Pastor, I just want you to know that I know it's Valentine's Day, and I wish I had a date, but I don't. They said, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to have a date with Jesus, and I'm going to just spend extra time in my Bible and praying and reading. You know, you can do that as a single. You can do that when you don't have the commitment. I believe that person was very contented where they were at. They weren't, they weren't being covetous by any means. And that person is married today and happily married. And, and uh, that person, their spouse, is serving God greatly. And I thank God for them. But I'm just saying today, there's a service advantage. There are things you should be doing. I want to say this tonight. If you're single, unmarried, you should be serving God. Amen. You should be doing more for God. You should be among the first to volunteer. Hey, you should be the first to help me on, on our maintenance and cleaning teams. You should be the first. You men who are single should be the first to help me as an usher. You should be there to be available. If we needed some men to guard the property, and the day may come, I may need to have men stay here on the property to guard it just because of things that happened the other night. I hope some of you single men would be willing to volunteer. I'm just saying this evening, as being single, you should not use your singlehood and say, well, I got my other things to do. He just says here in verse 32, he says, I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried, careth for the things that belong to the Lord. I'm just saying tonight, every single person should have a desire to serve God. If you're a high schooler tonight, you should have a desire to serve the Lord. If you're a college student, don't get so wrapped up in your career that you forget that God puts you where you're at to serve the Lord. Remind yourself of that all the time. There's a stress advantage. Verse 26, I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for man to be. The present distress Paul's talking about in verse 26 is that there can be stress in marriage. I say this every minute wedding. One's an early morning riser, one's a night owl. One likes spicy food, the other doesn't like spicy food. One likes to be very neat and compulsively clean. The other one is, just likes to let everything around, amen, you know. Um, one likes to go shopping, the other doesn't like to go shopping. They're growing in Christ. But we have a different way of processing. A different way of thinking. Guys, you've heard me say this all the time. Be careful when you have an argument with your wife. Because if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't put resolution to it quickly, it starts up a new argument. And you just have to realize that women are wired in such a way, they see things a certain way, and it's, a, it's part of a righteousness thing, I think, that God has embedded in a woman. They, have, they see it a certain way, and it's going to be done a certain way. And they're reanimate, their mind is set on it. That doesn't mean it's right, ladies. But that's how you think. And marriage can have stressful times. I've seen marriages that are under stress because monetary reasons. I've seen them under stress in raising their children for education purposes, juggling the ball between career, work, job, responsibilities, and their children. Uh, there's the fact that on one side, they may, you may have a parent, one of you has a parent that you have to care for and spend more time with and take care of. That can be a stress to the other partner. There's the stress that, you know, that, uh, you know, you grew up with your siblings. 
Girls are close to their sisters. Guys are close to their brothers. And you may love each other's side, but there are just some things perhaps a husband may not necessarily agree with the siblings his wife has, and a wife may not necessarily agree with everything that her husband's siblings say. There's stress. There's stress. Paul said there's a stress advantage. He says, I don't have to worry about having an argument with anybody. He said, if anything, I argue with myself. Amen? Notice verse 28. He says, but and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. He says, listen, it's not a problem to get married, but you will have difficulties in the flesh. You have to learn that you don't get your way all the time. Listen, hey, if you're in a marriage, listen to me tonight, if you're in a marriage tonight or in a home, it's constantly fighting and wars. You don't meet halfway and there's no resolutions. You're telling your kids that's how you resolve things. You're telling your kids that's the model for a right marriage. That's not the right model for a marriage. And Paul just said there's going to be trouble in the flesh. Paul said to singles, there's a sensibility advantage. Notice what he said in verses 29 to 31. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. He's reminding us the perspective. No matter if you're single married, time is short. I, I can't believe it. My wife and I have been married 38 years. I mean, I still, I was rewinding in my mind and thinking about our, our engagement and our marriage and all that. Man, it's still very fresh in my mind as if it happened yesterday. But time is short. He says, it remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. And they that weep as though they wept not. And they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. And they that buy as though they possess not. And they that use this world is not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passed away. You know what Paul's talking about there? Have some good sense. Be wise. You know, it's a tragedy. I'm talking to our married couples right now. It's a tragedy if you're using, it's wrong, if you're using your marriage as an excuse not to serve God. It's wrong to use your marriage as an excuse to be nominally involved unless there's sickness, unless you're caring for an ill one. Or maybe other reasons there that might be justified. I'm just saying, tonight, if you could really serve God, you ought to do so. By the way, you ought to give your adherence first to your local church and not to everybody else out under the sun. He says that they that have wives be as though they had none. I want to encourage our men tonight. Why don't you be like Gideon's 300? Once you decide you're going to fight some battles with your preacher, quit you and be like men. And some of the ladies tonight, be godly. Don't model through your mouth. Model through your life. Be keepers at home. Serve the Lord. I'm thankful for a lot of ladies. I mean, I'm thankful we've got a great church. We've got a lot of ladies who volunteer in numerous ways 
And I'm just saying for ladies who come to help fold envelopes, fold letters in envelopes, and sack things away, and come to clean our bathrooms, and come on their own during the weekdays, and that's there anything else I can do. And those ladies who help iron. He says, they that have wives and husbands, be as though they had none. And then he talks about those that weep. They'll spend your time weeping. You can sorrow so much. There are tons of time. Stop sorrowing and find your purpose in Jesus Christ. And they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. He's saying for those, those of you who are just joking all the time and living the good life, he says, hey, there comes a time. Remember, the time is short. Sensibility. And as being a single person, you're just not encumbered with all that stuff. You can devote your heart to doing things for God. Hey, listen, the most active group of people that should be involved in the church should be our singles. It should be our singles. And parents, I want to tell you today, especially if you're, you're a first-generation Christian, your children are second-generation or third-generation, please do not be a gatekeeper and keep your kids from serving God. And please do not keep your kids from them getting my heart. And please do not keep your kids from being under your umbrella so long that they forget that there's a local church. There comes a time you got to let them free at 18 to serve God and be involved. You ought to give them a challenge when they graduate. It's time for you to serve the Lord and do more than you've ever done. Listen, the greatest joy I could have in my life, I want my kids to do more than I've ever done for God. And you ought to desire that your kids do more than you've ever done in your life. And Paul talks about a subordination advantage. A single person doesn't have a relationship, commit, a relationship commitment for caring for someone else. Let me park on that for a minute. Titus is very good. Paul was very good in Titus 2, reminding the wives of taking good care of their husbands. Not pampering him. Remember, you're his wife, not his mother. Not indulging him. Not giving in to his fits and his complaints. Praying for him and with him. You ought to read, get a revival of Titus chapter 2. But, Paul also reminds men, in 1 Peter 3, 7, about the need to care for their wives. And men, this is a cure-all for our, a lot of our ills. Likewise, ye husbands... Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Always remind yourself, physically and in some other ways, your wife is the weaker vessel. God strengthen you for that marriage. Giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So Paul said this for singles. But I would have, verse 32, but I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Now I wish I could tell you that as Paul wrote that, that should be the desire of every single person. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. He's just saying there's a subordination advantage. You don't, you're not, you're, you're able, you're, you just have more flexibility. You're able to do more. I mean, with that, you have scheduling advantages. 
I mean, I try to be very careful, especially God, for a lot of our, 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 our AV crews. There, there are a lot of our young married guys. And they spend a lot of time, and I'm thankful they've got wives and understand that they come alongside and they serve with them. But I try to be careful. They're not spending, they're not going overboard on certain things. So they're, they're spending some time at home. I'm trying to be careful of all of our, our ministry leaders, all of our, our laymen, making sure that they're at home, they're keep, that they're at home, they're, they're taking care of things. And there's a scheduling advantage, though, a single person has. There's a success advantage. A single person can devote himself to what he does. He can put his mind to something and devote himself to be very successful. I'm just saying this evening, when you look at the Bible, Paul, is, Paul does not look down on being single. Paul does not say being unmarried single is a problem. He's just saying right now there are, there are some good advantages to being single. And that primary advantage is the honor of God and the worship of God is serving the Lord. Secondly tonight, quickly, we see the anxieties. There are the advantages of being single. There are the anxieties of being single. We said about one that I'm going to talk about two tonight. The first one is the sensual anxiety. An unmarried single has the temptation, the pressure of falling into immorality and fornication. And I remind you of 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 to 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. There are places where people work, where there's a cultural mindset. Years ago, I was in business, I had a client, and uh, we're about the same age. I remember first meeting him, and it's just, it's just kind of cool how God works these things out. I was sending this off, he was president of the company, and we're sitting down talking, and uh, somehow it came up that we, we both found out we were Christians. I mean, within probably 20 minutes of our conversation. Now, when you find someone's a Christian, I... You know, I, I've just over the years, I've, I, I, get, I used to get real excited, and sometimes I'm a little bit reserved because I'm wondering what kind of Christian are they, if you know what I mean. And so uh, we talked, and doctrinally, we agreed on the same things. A few months went by, and this man, very well educated, very successful, he said, hey, Alan, I need to ask you, talked in confidence, you're a good Christian, man. He says, he said, you, you know, when you come here, man, you make sure you're giving a good testament for Christ. He said, but I, I, I'm struggling with something. I need to talk to you about it. Sure. I said, sure. Called him by his first name. I, I can still remember sitting in his office right now. He said, you know, you met the men in my organization. I said, yeah. You know what kind of men they are? I said, yeah. He said, the the executives of the company will sometimes have our meetings. And then what they'll do, and I'm president, and a lot of times they want to go to these gentlemen's clubs. And, and just so if you don't know this, those are, those are just places, dens, dens of iniquity. Those are bad places. They're not gentlemen's they're not They're not for gentlemen. They're a place of ungodliness. I said, you ever go to one? Do you ever go with those men? And he kind of hemmed and hawed. I knew what the answer was. I said, hey, you got to make a decision. I said, 
They think you're one of them. That's just the bottom line. I said, why'd you go? He said, the pressure. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification. That ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, being single, man or woman, I talked about this culture. You get mixed up with that culture, it is hard not to. Your coworkers, your friends, they want to hang out at the bars, they're drinking liquor, they're hanging out, they're living in the dorms, they've all lost their virginity in college. You know what I'm talking about. They're doing stuff during the weeks they shouldn't be doing. I mean, it's just on and on and on. And the first time you're exposed to this temptation, you're feeling it, the pressure. Because the Holy Ghost is telling you, you need to flee fornication. And you've got to make a choice really fast. You're going to run or you're going to fail. Proverbs 6, turn there with me, please. Solomon wrote in verses 6 to 23 about a young man. I believe a single man. And the pressure he felt, the sensual temptation. I don't have time to read all this now because of time. But this young man, the Bible described him in verse 7 as being naive. He was void of understanding. He purposely, in verses 8 and 9, went down the street that got him in trouble. Now I'm going to tell you right now, if you're on that, if you're on that roadway, you better get off that road. You better make a turn very quickly and get out of there and make a, make a detour and get out, make a U-turn and get out of there. And he talked about the power of allurement. It happened at night, verse 9, the twilight in the evening. It's interesting all the bad things that happen at night. It said there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. And she was subtle of heart. She was loud and stubborn. And notice verse 13, she caught him. She seduced him. Guys, you're not as strong as you think you are. You're easily seduced. She made him a proposition. She gave him an invitation in verse 18. She knew he traveled a long distance. Let me tell you what, when you get away from God, you always go away a long distance. It said in verse 19, he has gone a long journey. He had a bunch of money with him. He was successful. The Bible says, verse 21, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. In verse 22, 23, it's a pretty, pretty 
tragic result. This anxiety is being single. You're under pressure. Lustful desires. So look at verse 9, chapter 7, verse 9 of, of 1 Corinthians. Paul told us in verse, verse 8, I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Now bear in mind, specifically in verse 8, he's talking about those who have been previously married, but now they were divorced or abandoned, so they were unmarried in that sense. You can throw into that those who had never been married before and widows. He says, if they cannot contain... In other words, the pressure, the pressure is so great. He says, let them marry. Now, he didn't say rush into marriage. He didn't say just go jump into marriage. He says, I realize you have a lot of pressure. He says, to avoid that, he says in verse 9, if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. In verse, chapter 7, verse 1, he's talking about absence. He says, it's good for men not to touch a woman. But he said at the same time, nevertheless, avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife and every woman her own husband. He's just saying here that it's, he says, look, okay, we understand that you face this pressure. And he says, if it's so, then you should get married. Don't succumb to the flesh. So how do you, how do you deal with that? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But don't float along in life. Just assuming it's going to come, marriage is going to come to you. Like every good thing in life, it must be prayed about. There must be a goal. There must be an idea of where you're going. Listen, every young man and every young lady should have a model for a godly spouse. And that model for a godly spouse, you should not deviate from it. You should just say, I'm going to stick to that because that's the right model for me. There's essential anxiety. Quickly, notice the stigma anxiety. An unmarried single might feel anxious about getting older, not being married. They might be feeling pressure from their parents or from their peers. And watch out when that pressure comes because the devil, the devil is good at whispering in our ears. He'll say, there's something wrong with you. He'll say, God forsook you. He said, look, coming to this church didn't do anything for you. Yep, that's what he says. He'll tell you, you gave God your best. Look at what he's given to you in return. Why don't you leave the church and go find somewhere else. Go find a church that's got a quote-unquote small group ministry where you can meet more singles. Go run around this single group here and this single group there and go with this group here. And, go. and we try to find things to do that. But listen, as a young person, you need to define in your Christian character and life, you need to define your convictions about doctrine, your convictions about church, your convictions about morality, your convictions about your life, your convictions about marriage, your convictions about having children, your convictions about raising. You need to establish those convictions now and not wait till after it comes. So out of frustration, unmarried single determines to get married by making compromises regarding God's best for you. So Paul wrote chapter 7 because there are anxieties. You're facing anxieties possibly. So there are advantages. The anxieties quickly tonight. I want you to see the advice. Very practical message tonight. I want you to see advice. I want to give you some thoughts tonight. This is the most important part tonight. Okay, Number one, God's will. 
Take your Bible. Don't look at the notes. I want you to take your Bible. Look at Psalms 32.8. Now, if every single person, frankly, every Christian that's listening tonight, would listen to the admonition in Psalms 32.8, it'll help you in all, all your decision-making. In Psalms 32.8, this is God speaking. God speaking to someone who found forgiveness of their sins and their burdens taken off their shoulders. This is speaking to someone who did not become stubborn like the mule. That's what he says in this passage. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Years ago, back in the day when the Christian bookstore had the right kind of books, and was not heavily charismatic and heretical. I picked up a book. I didn't realize it was a, I was a young person. I thought it was a book about dating, Christian dating. It was entitled Love Is. It was written by a missionary named Dick Hillis. It had nothing to do with dating or marriage. But as I read that book, it helped me, and it helped me immensely. Recurrently in every chapter of that book, a young single man, a young single lady who loved God, and it had just happened to be all of them were going to the mission field, patiently and prayerfully went to God, is asking God for the marriage spouse. And every one of them claimed Psalms 32.8. And in claiming Psalms 32.8, they learned it is better to be guided by the eye of God than to be guided by the eye of lust or the eye of falsity. I will guide thee with mine eye. And I'm going to tell you tonight, God's got better sight than you and me. Amen. God's got better vision than you and I. God said he'll instruct us and teach us in the way which he should go. So number one, you want to get married. Or if you're supposed to stay single, get in the presence of God. Get in the word of God. Sit down with your pastor. Don't sit down with somebody who's going to give you philosophy and Bible that's contrary to the word of God. And some of you out there, they're giving bad advice to my singles. Stop it. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way in which thou should go. Read Genesis 24. I wish I had time to talk to you about this. The prayer of Abraham's servant for a bride for Isaac. Everything that servant prayed for, God gave him and then beyond that. Pray for the spouse that you can love, you can trust, you can respect and be mutually committed to. Psalms 37.4, turn there. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. You ought to memorize these two verses. In fact, I didn't even put chapter 37, verse 5, because that's good too. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desire of the heart. Now, a lot of people misquote that. They say, well, 
the desire of my heart. You know what God's saying there? If you want to find the right person, you better be the right person. If you're the right person, God will bring the right person to you. Delight thyself always to the Lord. That means give glory to God. That means honor the Lord. That means biblical. Be biblical. That means be obey God. Now, you may not agree with that, but I'm telling you, God's word works. And the Bible says he shall give thee desire. You know what he's saying there? Live for God. Conform to his will. Pray in accordance to God's will. And watch how God leads you and directs your steps. Don't push doors open God never meant for you to go through. Praying for a spouse is one of the biggest prayer requests you'll ever pray for. And for marriages that are struggling, listen to me tonight. We spend too much time trying to address the marriage instead of addressing this. Stop working on your marriage and work on you. Deal with your selfishness. Deal with your immaturities. Deal with your ill will. Work on that. Work on that and you'll see everything else come into place. And that's Bible. That's exactly what you find in Ephesians 4 and 5. Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I'm giving you some verses tonight. That's God's will. Pray about it. Let God lead you. Rest in the Lord. Let God lead you. Let God help you. God's will. Secondly, God's wisdom. Let me give you God's wisdom as I close tonight. If God has given you the gift, or right now you're in a struggling situation where you're not married, but you long to be married, let me give you these thoughts that I think coincide with the Word of God. It's better to remain single than to choose a non-Christian partner. I implore you tonight, singles, you're out of the will of God if you marry an unbeliever. Knowing what you know right now. He's just saying here tonight, it's better to remain single than to choose a non-Christian partner. Please, please, ladies especially, don't fall for the devil's lie. Well, I guess I haven't found anybody in the church, so then he's pretty nice. I'll, I'll go live. I'll, I'll marry him. Please don't do that. It's better to remain single than to marry someone who is saved but could hinder your spiritual growth and take you away from God. And we've seen a lot of that happen. It's better to remain single than to marry someone for the wrong motive. And I said this. I was in chapel at a particular Bible college not too long ago. In the spirit of the topic I was preaching on, I told those single Bible college students, make sure they're in this for the ministry. I've had too many experiences where one Bible college student married the wrong Bible college student, we found out later, and that other Bible college student stole their heart, took them out of the ministry. You say, well, that's pretty hot. I said, I'm just telling you what, it, well, I'm just telling you what the truth. 
Don't marry someone. If you're zealous for God right now, you need to marry someone that's zealous for God. Don't marry someone that's going to make you less zealous for God. It's better to remain single than to marry someone for the wrong motive. It's better to remain single than to marry someone who will make your life miserable. It's better to remain single than to marry, some, to marry without being willing to give yourself to another completely. Listen, don't get married if you're going to make someone else miserable. Your life should be one that you're giving, you're sharing, you're participating, you're sacrificing, you're doing the things that glorify God. God has allowed a number of people to be single. Please be content where God has placed you. Use your single status to maximize your opportunities of serving the Lord. Be content with serving Christ. Take the advice that was given here. It's from Psalms 32, 8, Psalms 37, 4 through verse 7. And trust God's word that God will love you and lead you and direct you for his life. Father, this evening, thank you for the word of God. I pray that God for a generation of singles on fire for God. Live for the Lord and give themselves wholly to the matters of God. I pray for godly men and godly young women who seek God's will, who seek to be biblical. Their model is the Word of God and not the model is the world. Their model is Christ, not the culture. Guide their thoughts, lead them, I pray. I pray this evening for marriages that will thrive and have the blessing of God upon them. I pray for marriages that honor Christ. I pray for our church, Lord, as we come back and reconvene all in person in the near future. I pray for a strong, thriving church of marrieds and singles. And God, I pray your perfect will be done. I pray that, God, you know the innermost needs of those who long to be, to be married. I pray that you meet their needs. I pray for, for wonderful things that you'll do. Encourage our hearts, because when I look at all this, the bottom line is we need to be obedient. We need to be consecrated. We need to pray. We need to wait on God. Thank you for this service tonight. Be glorified in what has been said, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.